Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Hello and welcome to The Andrew Lawton Show here on True North, Canada's most irreverent talk show. It is Friday, April 29th, 2022. We are going to be talking a lot in the next little while about the Conservative leadership race, but I wanted to take a a bigger picture view of it today. There was a a collection of essays that came out from the Macdonald-Laurier Institute by the MLI's managing director, Brian Lee Crowley, called A Modern Conservatism for a Modern Canada. And it covers a lot of the issues that come up in the context of the Conservative leadership race and, and more broadly, just Conservative conservative politics and politics in Canada, things like the carbon tax, indigenous issues, the rule of law, the freedom convoy, and a lot of these bigger picture questions like, is Canada a conservative country? And I think the answer to that sways whether the conservative party has a place as a conservative party or whether it needs to be this malleable, fluid thing that becomes more and more left just to keep up with a political or cultural shift in Canada. These are, are some of the big questions. And again, we want to get out of the horse race and talk about this from the bigger picture view. Brian Lee Crowley joins me now. Uh, Brian, always good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on today. Andrew, it's always a pleasure to be on the show. Now, obviously, it's easy in a leadership race or in any election situation to get focused on the horse race of it. But you've decided with uh, this piece, A Modern Conservatism for a Modern Canada, to really take the 30,000-foot view of things and and that place that the Conservative Party, and and I would say conservatism broadly, has in in Canada. Why why do this now? Well, look, because I think that ultimately, uh, you know, leadership contests within political parties that indeed politics in general, it's a struggle of ideas. It's a battle for the mind of Canadians. And um, I found that uh, uh, not just in the Tory leadership campaign, but in politics more generally, uh, we neglect this aspect of politics and uh, focus, as you rightly say, on the, on the horse race. I thought that there might be some value in saying, okay, let's have a discussion about what the ideas are that might attract Canadians to the Conservative Party, why those ideas might be attractive, why the way that they present themselves now might not appeal to enough Canadians and get them to think about, okay, if this is a battle of ideas, are we using the right ammunition uh, and are we directing it in the right way? And um, uh, so I took a series of issues, which I think are in the minds of Canadians and um, uh, said, okay, Conservatives, here's a way to think about them. And if you think it has value, uh, talk about it during your, your, your leadership campaign. I want to talk about a few of those issues in, in depth with you, but I, I first want to tackle the framing of it here, and, and I won't delve beyond the cover page for this question here. A modern conservatism for a modern Canada. Often when we hear that juxtaposition of modern conservatism, it's coming from people that are trying to move the conservative party in a fundamentally unconservative direction. And I, I find a lot of the time modern is a, a proxy for progressive. I know that's not what you're going for here, but so what is modern in your view? What's that framing that you believe the conservatives need to fit while still being conservative? Well, I, I make the point in the uh, collection of essays that the, the Tories do not need to become liberals in order to win elections. I think the key uh, idea uh, animating this whole series of essays is that there is actually a, a mainstream in Canada, a set of values that uh, is deeper than politics, that, uh, you know, that Canadians feel strongly about. They feel strongly about family. 
they feel strongly about work. They want to be productive. They want to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, contributing members of society. They care about their community. These are fundamentally conservative values. And I think that the reason that the Conservative Party, uh, in spite of the fact that in the last two elections, uh, clearly the voters were looking for an alternative to the Liberals, the fact that the, Liber the, the Conservatives are not the government uh, shows that they have been unable to modernize their way of presenting themselves to the public in a way that people can connect those deep conservative, small C conservative values with the large C conservative party that is seeking their vote. And so when I said modernizing, uh, 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 you know, the conservative appeal to Canadians, I was really talking about, okay, look, we, we have to take Canadians as they are. You can't wish that they were something else. They are what they are. And they have these fundamental small C conservative values, but clearly, you know, they're not connecting that with the conservative party. So you've got to bring your message up to date, not to abandon small C conservatism, uh, uh, not to become liberals, but to say, okay, um, look, we've perhaps not diagnosed correctly what the issues are that Canadians really care about and brought to them a characteristically conservative way of dealing with those issues. I think that's the problem for the Conservative Party. I, I think that's such a, a key point, Brian, because one of the problems that's always frustrated me immensely, and, and you tackle this in the, the compendium here, is that you've got a lot of issues that, generally speaking, in the political and media discourse, the left has claimed as their own. And I think one of those is climate. And whenever conservatives say, okay, we need to get serious about climate, as you note, it, it becomes we need to do whatever the liberals want us to do on climate and, and not creating conservative answers to these problems. No, I, I, I think this is absolutely correct. I, um, I, I, climate change is, of course, one of the things I wrote about in this, uh, in this collection. And I said, you know, the conservatives seem to have got it in their heads that if the, if the liberals, uh, you know, kind of tear their hair out and say, oh my God, the world is coming to an end because of climate change, that as the opposition, they, they must say, no, 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 nothing to worry about here, move on, let's, let's, let's talk about something else. I, I think this is this is one of the issues on which they're failing to connect with Canadians because I, I think Canadian, you know, the average Canadian is, you know, we're kind of an earnest people. We, we want to do the right thing. And enough Canadians uh, have, have become convinced, I think, you know, quite reasonably given the, you know, the large number of quite knowledgeable people about this who've said, look, this is an issue. Uh, and if the, if the party comes across uh, as as rejecting uh, a, a, a problem that requires some solution, uh, you know, I think they won't be taken seriously by people. Do they have to set their hair on fire like the liberals do? Uh, no, uh, I, I think that there are uh, the, 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 the adult position on climate change is not, oh, liberals say, climate change yes we must say climate change no uh no it's no the 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 liberals are engaging in extremist solutions to a real problem we can do it better we can do it more intelligently i think that's the right approach for canadians so you don't buy into this belief that I think seems to be peddled relentlessly by the pundit class that you cannot run the country without a carbon tax that this is not even a partisan issue anymore well, I happen to believe that uh, a carbon tax is a small C conservative solution to the issue. I mean, you know, look, if if it's true 
that the climate is changing. And as I say, there's there, I'm not talking about scientific consensus. I don't believe in scientific consensus, but I am saying that, you know, if you talk to a lot of people uh, who are knowledgeable about these, these, these issues, climatologists, et cetera, et cetera, you know, they'll say, look, th this is a real problem. This is not imaginary. Uh, and so the issue then becomes, okay, if, if human beings are contributing to this problem, how do we solve it? And, uh, you know, conservatives always believe I think rather than giving people orders, you must do this, we have the answer, you must follow our, uh, our direction. Conservatives always believe that um, the best thing we can do is offer people incentives. If, if climate change is a real problem, if our putting uh, carbon into the atmosphere is the source of part of that problem, let's create an incentive that gives people a reason not to do that so much. And that's really what a carbon tax is. And I, pref I personally, prefer that to a bunch of bureaucrats saying, I'm going to decide what kind of car you can drive. I'm going to decide, uh, you know, uh, uh, what kind of job you can have. I'm going to decide whether we're going to have uh, an oil and gas industry, which is basically the, the liberals approach. I, I think creating an incentive, giving people a reason to generate less carbon uh, and then letting them get on with their lives and make their own choices, having paid the cost of producing carbon, I think is, a, is, is the best solution. The challenge, though, when and I, I realize this gets out of the intellectual and policy sphere and into just the realities of, of politics and, and what uh, conservative politicians are up against in the media. But when Aaron O'Toole put forward what was a, effectively a carbon tax, I, I know they didn't call it that, and they tried to get creative about uh, being able to get your money back and, and use it for green purchases, but it didn't take the issue off the table. It didn't neutralize the criticisms because all of a sudden the liberals just went further. They talked about aggressively raising it, and then still the questions were about, why your plan doesn't go farther, why your plan doesn't go uh, to all of these other depths. So is this an issue where conservatives can compete with the liberals or is it one of those things where if a voter cares about this, their vote's not going to the conservatives anyway? Well, look, I, you know, I look at the, the public opinion polling on the issue of climate change and uh, two things about me, uh, two things about that strike me. One is that Canadians say, yes, it's, it's a problem. We, we should be doing something about it. The second is when you ask them, how much would you be willing to pay to solve this problem? The answer is a very small amount of money, mm. like a couple of hundred bucks a year. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the issue is not, can you get on side the extremists who think that uh, climate change is a reason for government to reinvent everything? Uh, uh, which, to my mind, is is about the worst possible solution to any problem. I, I, the, the, the issue is Canadians want to see a government that takes this problem seriously, but doesn't say, and you're going to have to give up your pickup truck. Uh, you know, you're going to have to give up uh, your, your, your natural gas fired furnace. You have to give up uh, your job in the oil and gas industry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, because I think there are a lot of Canadians who think that's an excessive price to pay and it's the wrong price. It won't solve the problem. So I, I, I think that uh, if you look at that uh, public opinion about climate change, it's very clear Canadians think it's a problem. They want to see a government that can s say something about it, but they don't want extremism. And uh, uh, to your point about the, the, the last election, I thought the problem for the Conservatives wasn't that, uh, you know, the Liberals were saying, well, oh my God, you're not going nearly far enough and, uh, you know, we're going to uh, build back better. Uh, um, I, th I thought the problem was that um, the, 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 the leader of the Conservative Party 
said one thing during his uh, election campaign to become leader, a different thing during the election. And that different thing he said during the election was different from the resolution that his party passed uh, saying, no, 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 climate change isn't real. People didn't know who to believe. You see, I, I think this is a key issue for the conservatives is they can't just consult their own preferences. If they're to be a credible alternative to the liberals, they have to think about what's in the minds of Canadians, not what's not only what's in the minds of small C uh, or large, large C conservatives. That's the problem. And I would also add to that, Brian, the importance of not just going to the same old bag of tricks every time. And, and my frustration has always been the conservative reliance on balanced budgets and tax credits, which I, I think are, are completely fine things. But when you've lost three elections in a row, you have to say, let's let's offer a little bit more. And, and one issue that you had a, a column on, I think it was from the National Post that I, I particularly enjoyed, was about Indigenous issues and, and how not only is this something that, again, would align with that small conservative vision of empowerment, moving beyond victimhood, uh, but also just in, in Canadian politics, this I feels like is a wide open field because everyone would say that the status quo is a failure. Uh, what has exactly caused that? There's uh, some debate on, but there's a huge opening here. If conservatives were to come in and offer a, a bold solution or at the very least uh, a beginning of one. No, I, look, I feel very strongly about this. I, you know, again, back to what's in the minds of Canadians. I, I, I think the, the, the public opinion polling is eloquent on this. Canadians have come to the realization that the way that uh, uh, Indigenous people in Canada have been treated is a national shame and scandal. They want to do something about it. They, they, Canadians are committed to this. Uh, and uh, the, the, the issue is that nobody is offering, I think, the, uh, the uh, Indigenous communities that have proven their entrepreneurialism, their determination to, uh, you know, end dependence, to become self-reliant, to run their own community. Nobody is saying to them, hey, those are small C conservative ideas. You are now acting on the values that um, uh, animate so many uh, Canadians. And uh, in fact, Indigenous prosperity contributes to Canadian prosperity. So uh, you know, I, I celebrate the fact that there are so many Indigenous communities in Canada now where the problem is not managing poverty as it has been for all Indigenous communities for so long. The problem now is managing prosperity. And we want to see that uh, uh, widely shared amongst uh, Indigenous communities. And I, I think that um, uh, this, this really, in the case of the Conservative Party, it also speaks to a very important image problem that I think they have. You know, a lot of people think, oh, conservatives don't care about social issues. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of mean-spirited. The only thing they want is to stop government spending money, even when uh, spending money is, uh, is important and will achieve something for Canadians. So I, I think by having, uh, by embracing this new spirit of uh, entrepreneurialism and innovation and investment uh, that has uh, grown up on so many uh, uh, reserves and amongst so many uh, Indigenous communities, I, I think this gives the, uh, the conservatives a chance to change their own image, which is fine. I mean, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing, in addition to changing their image, uh, is it will address a social problem that Canadians care about deeply. And I, th I think that would be hugely beneficial for the Conservative Party. 
And I know that it, there have been attempts in the past, like the, the First Nations Financial Transparency Act was again trying to bring this uh, aspect of government accountability to empower uh, people in Indigenous communities. I'd say a lot of energy pipe uh, projects, a lot of pipeline projects are, are very much pro-Indigenous policies, despite uh, the naysaying you get from, from very specific subsets of the environmental movement. A lot of the times the beneficiaries of, of these projects in, in large part are Indigenous communities. But I, I don't know if that is necessarily communicated as well as it could be. And, and, and I don't know what is missing there. I, I don't know if it's that you need more Indigenous leaders to come out and say this. I don't know if it's that Conservatives need to do a better job. But you're right. Conservatives are up against that reputation that uh, probably the oldest uh, the oldest smear in the book of, oh, Conservatives don't care about the poor, Conservatives don't care about minorities, and so on. Well, you know, it's interesting. In, in Saskatoon, there's this uh, First Nation which uh, got a you know, per, pretty significant uh, land claim settlement. So they had a lot of cash. What did they do with it? They bought a piece of the city of Saskatoon and created an industrial park. And, you know, when they did this, there was much angst and hand wringing and people said, oh, my God, you know, this will be unfair competition against the business community, et cetera, et cetera. Now they're completely integrated into the, uh, the economy of uh, Saskatoon. They've got their own uh, uh, industrial park, which they run according to their, uh, you know, their own or rules and uh, priorities. And, um, uh, you know, you now have uh, Indigenous people who have been president of the Saskatoon Chamber of Commerce, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is reconciliation in action, as far as I'm concerned. This ability now of uh, Indigenous people to escape the dependence on government grants and bureaucratic permissions and so on, which have been the hallmark of their lives for a uh, hundred years. Uh, they're now able to demonstrate, look, we can, we can do these things. We can make our own rules. We can take control of our own lives. We can invest. We can create opportunities. We can put Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people to work. Uh, I, 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 and, and I think that, you know, if the Conservatives came along and said, you know what, um, uh, we don't just want to communicate to non-Indigenous Canadians uh, that we're uh, on board with uh, this opportunity agenda for Indigenous people. Let's get some Indigenous leaders to run mm -hmm. as for the Conservative Party and say, this is the kind of values that will pull Indigenous people out of uh, the terrible dependence which has destroyed so many lives uh, uh, for them over the last decades. Speaking of Saskatoon, one of the pieces I particularly enjoyed uh, in your uh, call in your uh, assembly here is the idea that Canada is not a an inherently progressive or left wing country, and, and you actually use Saskatchewan as sort of your test case to prove that. Yeah, well, I mean, look, we talk about how dominant the Liberal Party is in Ottawa, you know, the, uh, for for most of the last century. Yeah, the the natural governing party, as they say. <laughs> But but uh, and and therefore you know that somehow this tells us that Canada is in uh, you know irretrievably progressive. But I say well well let's use a different example. You know the 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 CCF NDP was just as dominant uh, uh, from 1944 until uh, you know the early part of this century uh, as the Liberal Party in Ottawa. Uh, they were the you know, sort of the darling of the left in Canada. Everybody looked to Saskatchewan as the progressive uh, you know the cradle of progressivism in Canada. Uh, and uh, eventually the, the NDP lost touch with uh, the values of uh, people in Saskatchewan and you had uh, a, a essentially a coalition of liberals and conservatives 
calling themselves the Saskatchewan party that came along and uh, after getting beat up a couple of times in a few elections where they, they couldn't quite connect with people, they finally figured out how to talk about small C conservative values to people in Saskatchewan and the people of Saskatchewan embraced them with enthusiasm. I think in the last election, they got like 60% of the vote uh, and, and they've been in office now for 15, 16 years. Uh, now, you know, nobody stays in power forever, but this is, the, the, nothing like this has been seen in Saskatchewan uh, since, uh, since the 1940s. Uh, and I think it shows that uh, there, there's, there's no uh, way in which uh, a, a smart, uh, aspiring, driven people like Canada uh, 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 should be simply assumed to be, you know, attached to one political uh, approach versus another. I wonder, and I, I don't know if I'm extrapolating too much from that, though, if, if this example proves that the word conservative carries a, a level of baggage that, that holds it back in some cases, or at least creates a, a need for someone to overcome whatever negative associations they have with it. Because the Saskatchewan party is, uh, you're right, in, in terms of policy and focus, a conservative party, it's been one of the parties that was most resistant to a lot of the lockdowns and, and vaccine passports, though they eventually did it. And it's a party that uh, was taking the carbon tax to court. But again, not the word conservative in the name. Well, yes, that's a that's that's an interesting point. I I have to say that um, you, you, you might remember in Saskatchewan they had uh, a, a large C conservative uh, government uh, for a couple of terms under Grant Devine, and um, you know I, I think in retrospect people from Saskatchewan would say that was not a happy experience. They didn't they didn't enjoy the mm -hmm. large conservative uh, party government they had, and it, that's what forced. The liberals and the conservatives, uh, if they to say, look, if uh, if we're going to get rid of the NDP, if we don't want to be governed forever by uh, a left wing party, uh, the only solution is to come together uh, and um, you know forget about party labels, uh, but let's talk about the values that matter. And I, I have to say, if I could put this in the larger national uh, context for a second, Andrew. You, 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 we've got this uh, liberal NDP coalition governing Canada right now. And a lot of people say, well, you know, Canada is a progressive country. And of course, if you have the liberal and the NDP vote together, uh, you know, uh, that's it. Game over. Uh, conservatives will never form another government. I think that's completely wrong. If you look at every part of Canada where the NDP and the left have become the dominant party, what, it, what that has done is it has caused a realignment on the center right. And the realigned center-right party has become the dominant party in every case. It's true in British Columbia. It's true in Saskatchewan. It's true in Manitoba. Uh, and I, 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 so I think that actually uh, what's happening is that there are a lot of blue liberals, uh, liberals who you know share a lot of small C conservative values, but have been traditionally associated with the Liberal Party because the Liberal Party has been a centrist party. I think the NDP is pulling the, the, the liberals to the left. And uh, this creates an opening for conservatives who can do what the Saskatchewan party did in Saskatchewan and say, look, uh, the most important thing is to get these small C conservative values uh, into government uh, uh, to speak to that, those deep values that Canadians believe in, that we believe in, let's not get hung up on party labels. And uh, I, I think this is a, a moment of great opportunity for a party that could 
rise above uh, ideology and think about what might be in the interests of Canadians. Growing up, I mean, apart from the general fiscal stuff, which I even I don't think that's a given because the, the Liberals had at the time a, a record of being a good fiscal stewards in, in some areas in Canada. But one of the big things that conservatives were always known for was the, the law and order conservatism, this idea of being tough on crime. It was conservatives that were uh, in some cases trying to bring back the death penalty. Conservatives under Harper had the mandatory minimums. And, and I'm not besmirching any of these policies, just pointing out that it was an issue that conservatives used to, I think, talk about and focus on a lot more. Now, being the tough on crime law and order party is slightly different than rule of law. And you've you've made a, a point here in, in your column on rule of law, which I find quite interesting, that there seems to be a lot of invocation of it by people that don't even understand what it means. Yes, well, uh, so let's talk for a second about the rule of law and what it does mean. For me, the rule of law means that the, the law applies to everyone. And that means that it applies to uh, governments, it applies to prime ministers, uh, just as much as it applies to people in the Freedom Convoy, for example. Uh, uh, it applies just as much to uh, Indigenous people and environmental protesters uh, as it does to ministers of justice and so on. Uh, and the, the argument that I was making was that uh, no political party has yet uh, in Canada in the last few decades quite come to terms with the fact that um, if you really believe in the rule of law, uh, in this equality of people before the law, the high and the low together, everybody is subject to the law, uh, that um, you, you can't pick and choose if you're the government, you can't pick and choose who you're going to apply the law to. But I mean, well, but I say you can't pick and choose. <laughs> you functionally can, but morally you can't. <laughs> they, they say, oh, well, you know, uh, 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 e ecological protesters are, are blocking pipelines. So, you know, we, mm, uh, or indigenous protesters are blocking railways and highways. Um, we, we can't really apply the law to them. Uh, but, you know, let a bunch of uh, blue collar truckers uh, descend on Ottawa and uh, honk their horns and, oh my God, the full rigor of the law must be brought down on them because uh, you know, uh, the, the, the first few examples I used are, let's say, uh, uh, you know, uh, supportive of liberal policies. Uh, and the last one is, uh, well, we think they're opposed to our policies, so they must be our enemies. Uh, I, I, see, I, I think this is fundamentally damaging the rule of law. And, and of course, uh, so I used liberal examples, but of course, the Tory examples are the exact a mirror image of that, you know, uh, uh, some Tories say, oh, you know, let's celebrate the, the, the freedom convoy, uh, but let's, uh, you know, let's send the troops in if, uh, if someone, you know, an indigenous uh, protester blocks uh, uh, a national highway or something. Uh, my, my argument is that both of these are wrong. Both of these Im imply that uh, political authorities ought to pick and choose who we apply the law to. And in my view, that if, if we allow that to continue, it's the end of the rule of law. Yes. And I would say, I mean, in some cases, they don't even hide that hypocrisy. Like I recall when Jagmeet Singh was being asked about the Emergencies Act and the NDP's support of, of the Liberal government's invocation thereof, he was asked about the NDP's history of supporting protests. And he his answer was, and I'm paraphrasing here quite crudely, but it was basically, oh, yeah, but those protests are things we agree with. And, and there does seem to be just not even an attempt at cloaking exactly what you're describing there. 
Well, uh, this is one of the things that I worry about most about the direction that our policy, our politics is going, that um, uh, all political parties are starting to see the population divided into the people who are our friends and the people who are our enemies. And we comfort our friends and afflict our enemies. Uh, and I think this is fundamentally the wrong way to think about political power. So you, you don't, people don't get political power under a liberal democracy in order to be able to uh, protect their friends and hurt their enemies. They are given political power to govern in the interests of all Canadians. And uh, I, I, I think one of the reasons that our politics are becoming so fractious and so uh, filled with anger and resentment is that people feel, okay, uh, if the other lot get in power, uh, they're going to use that power to punish me uh, or my friends or the industry mm -hmm. I work in. Uh, and uh, I, one of the things that it is so hard for political parties to come to terms with is that um, even your enemies are Canadians and they have legitimate interests and uh, you are not granted political power in order to uh, reward your voters and punish uh, the people who didn't vote for you. You are you are granted political power to govern in the interests of all Canadians, and sometimes that means helping your enemies because they're Canadians, and that's what government is for. Just one last question, Brian. Are, are you putting this out because there's someone in the leadership race that you feel is uh, capturing these things, or are you really just trying to put it out there for people to take and, and contemplate as they decide who they like and what direction they'd like the party to go? Well, I, I, first of all, let me say, you know, I'm not in the business of endorsing uh, candidates or I, I'm just, I, I just don't have feelings about that. I, I, what I, I thought was worth doing was saying, okay, you guys claim to be conservatives. And indeed you're arguing amongst yourselves about who's more conservative than, you know, somebody else, or, you know, so-and-so is uh, more of a liberal than a conservative, whatever. Uh, and yet nobody has, laid out what they mean when they say a conservative. And so I said, I, I thought there would be some value for all the candidates in laying out my view for what it's worth. It's only, it's only my view. Uh, I don't claim to be, uh, you know, Moses with the tablets. I, 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 I simply said, okay, I, I'm a, I think, a thoughtful observer of Canadian politics. Uh, and here's what I think small C conservatism uh, has become in a modern Canada. And th so this is, a, this is a test against which all of the leadership candidates can, uh, can measure themselves. Uh, it's a test against which all of the members of the Conservative Party can measure the leadership candidates. And it's also a, a, a bit of a call to Canadians who don't identify with the Conservative Party to say, uh, okay, you, you haven't wanted to vote large C Conservative, but might you consider that you are, in terms of your values, a small C conservative? And if you think that Canada would benefit from a real alternative to the Liberals, um, how can you contribute to making a large C conservative alternative that would uh, resonate with both large C and non-large C Canadians, uh, uh, or conservative Canadians? And uh, so it's, it's a bit of a, I'm trying to stimulate people to think less about the horse race and more about the ideas that motivate Canadians. 
Well, I'm always a big fan of your work, so I'd read a, a number of the columns in this collection before, but it was good to, to read them again in order and in the uh, intended context of this. That uh, collection from Macdonald Laurier Institute, A Modern Conservatism for a Modern Canada, Brian Lee Crowley. Always a pleasure, Brian. Thanks for coming on today. Andrew, it was great to talk to you. Thanks so much. That was Brian Lee Crowley, and I, I'm glad he addressed head on the question I raised about the title. And again, I, I've known Brian for many years. I, I know he's not a uh, liberal. I know he's not trying to pull the party to the left. But oftentimes the media and I think a lot of political activists try to frame modernization as progressification, as liberalization, which I don't think is the case. But there always is this tug of war in the party about whether the conservatives' problem is a problem of messaging or if it's a problem of the core message itself. And I mean, Andrew Scheer had a, a generally conservative vision that he tried to cloak in liberal language, which I think was to his detriment. And then you had Aaron O'Toole that offered a liberal vision in liberal language and still didn't win. And, and now you have a lot of conservatives that are saying, no, I'm done with that. I want the most conservative candidate, the most conservative party. Okay, that's fine. But I do think there's a question that it needs to be addressed of what conservatism means in the context of the Conservative Party of Canada. I don't mean like, you know, Hobbesian conservatism or Nozickian libertarianism or whatever. Oh my goodness. I can't talk about Nozick on a Tuesday. But the point, of the, the point I'm making here is that you have to have a sense of what you want your party to be and how much you're prepared to fudge that for a leader that comes in that offers a different vision. I mean, Jean Charest, when I had him on the show a few weeks ago, he talked about how parties are living trees and they kind of take on different uh, branches and they shape and reform. And basically what he's saying there is that if he comes in, it's going to be different, which I, I think just as a, a technical reality is true because any leader that comes in is going to uh, change things and, and remake it in their image. But for conservative Canadians, whether you're a member of the Conservative Party of Canada or not, there is still the question of are you represented in this party and are you represented in the country and that was what uh, this piece by brian was i think in, in a lot of ways trying to address that does it for us for today we'll be back next week with more of canada's most irreverent talk show this is the andrew lawton show on true north thank you god bless and have a good weekend thanks for listening to the andrew lawton show support the program by donating to true north at www.tnc.news